This episode of Attention to Detail is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hopheim Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. They're the reigning premier and they're, they're the best team in it, you know, until proven otherwise. So um, we know what we're up against. We're going to train, you know, with the dimensions of the Geelong ground today. Um, we want to get used to what it's like to play down there. We'll, we'll move down there and train down there on Wednesday. So um, we want to make sure that we're as best prepared possible um, to play a, a really strong footy team that play that ground incredibly well. So. And you're right, you know, coming off the bye has been a challenge for teams, but you now we want to make sure that we be a team that actually hits the ground running. All right, Sim, well, big clash coming up Thursday night. It's been a long time in between games. I don't know about you, but it's been, it was, it was, it was nice having a bit of a break over the bye, over the long weekend, and just sort of watching footy, not the long weekend, but just the weekend. And yeah, now we're back Thursday night. And to, joining us tonight, our special guest, Josh Barnes from the Geelong Advertiser and also one of the co-hosts of the Dawn to Dark podcast. Josh, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Big big clash on Thursday night. Yeah, gentlemen, good to be with you. It's, it's an honour to, to join the podcast. Um, hopefully the cats improve on Thursday night. We're going to have to, to to meet the standard of you guys, but hopefully the buy hasn't suited you well. It hasn't worked for any other team so far um, across the last couple of weeks, so maybe that'll work in our favour. <laughs> Well, it historically hasn't been great for your team for a number of years, wouldn't you say? And, th- no, and last and it, week was about the same. <laughs> no, and it wasn't great last week either. I think I think the Cats won a couple of times last year, but um, so far I think St Kilda's the only team that's won off a of bye so far this season. So um, history's going well for us at the moment. It's about what we need. Um, we're struggling a little bit on field. Where would you where would you peg the season to date at the moment? Like coming off the back of a premiership. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, yeah, as we as we know, it's a it's a tough feat to go back to back. Are you how, how are you feeling right at the moment about the midway point of the season, about the Cats' performance so far, and where they're sort of standing, looking into the run home? Yeah, well, there's no doubt you've got to be disappointed uh, if they're six and seven uh, halfway through the season, sitting outside the top eight. I don't think many people expected that. Um, a lot of it, obviously, is injuries. The midfield's just been decimated at times over the past really ten weeks or so. Every time Geelong gets a a player or two back, they lose another two, as we saw on the weekend with Dangerfield going out uh, halfway through that game. Even though he played on, he obviously won't be back for a couple of weeks with that lung and rib injury. Um, any, any way you shake it, it's a disappointment. I don't know sort of where they can um, claw their way back in from here. It's, they've got the toughest draw of any side on the run home, so it doesn't look like it's going to be any easier from here, apart from playing some home games. Um, you guys are on the outside of it a little bit more. Where have you seen the Cats so far this year? It's pretty interesting to think. <clears throat> I think I found a stat. It was 1963, I think I said to you, Tim. That was the last time that both sides had made a granny the last year. Didn't make the eight. And uh, it's an interesting one knowing that yeah, you guys and Sydney both have tough run homes. That could, you know, this be that streak of that time ending potentially. It's it's a hard one, but I feel like with the cattle you've got there, something's going to click at some stage, which I'm... But to be fair, I think we're all waiting for Geelong to hit their strap. And, you know, you think of last year and how strong they finished. They kind of had a pretty similar finish to us, like we did in 2021, where we just stormed um, and just, yeah, put the foot to the throat. And, you know, hopefully it's not this week, but um, I could definitely see it coming. I could see Jeremy Cameron getting back into red-hot form, which, mind you, I want to because i got him in my super coach side. So <laughs> he needs to fire at the right time. Um but yeah, it, it is bizarre seeing you guys six and seven, but I just can just, I can put it down to having no Salwood there, which has been a big, it's left a big hole to be fair. I think more so from an on-field leadership standpoint, I think just what, what's what been left is 
yeah, it, it's too big a hole to fill at the moment. But I think oh, you've got the players that could do it in the future, like a Tanner Bruin. I think he showed some nice glimpses, and Max Holmes has come out of his shell pretty well. So, yeah, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I think it probably all took us by surprise, at least at the start of the season. But you know, the whole Hawkins thing not quite being fit, and sort of there's those question marks there early on in the game, and, and dropping sort of the two, three in a row was a bit unusual, but. Even to this date, I mean, even watching them against the Bulldogs, you know, the other week, Port Adelaide's a bit hard to read like that that game even after the bye because, you know, no one can beat them at the moment. They're just on an absolute roll. So I think you can never count them out. And I think that's always going to be the thing. We've seen them time their run really well like they did last year. Now, yeah, as uh, Josh was saying before, the injuries have certainly played their role, but they're only a game out of the eight. And whilst I've got a rough trot home, I think it's the top seven out of the, you know, they're going to include top seven of the top eight sides in, in their run home. But also the next couple of weeks you've got after us, you've got North and Sydney now, one's up in uh, at the SCG, and then I think you're playing North at home. Is that right, Josh? So hopefully yep. those get you back up and running as well too. Plus your home, your home ground advantage, I wouldn't be discounting that too much as well too, given that... Um, you played a lot of your footy away from home at the start of the season. I think that was due to maybe the stadium was thought to maybe be complete at that stage. Yeah, yeah. the plan was for the stadium to be ready halfway through the year. Uh, so they back-ended the games, but uh, it's still under construction. They're redoing the welding, so it's not going to be ready till next year. <laughs> um, it is a bit of a, a, a sort of whichever way you want to look at it with that fixture on the way home because they do play all, pretty much every side in the top eight from here on out that they play on the run home. Um, they even play Port Adelaide again, so it, it's extremely hard. But if they're going to make the eight, they're going to have to beat those sides. Um, they take games off them if they beat them and they start moving up the order. So it's really in their hands. And I know for a fact, speaking to uh, some players uh, and coaches and staff this week, that um, they, they, I think they're a little bit frustrated that they know that their best footy is still still good enough. And they've even shown that this, this year, even last week against Port Adelaide, that first quarter, they kicked six goals against the Power. They were well up in the second quarter and then, 20 minutes of bad footy sort of cost them, but they know if they can um, prepare and, and put out that the same performance they did in that first quarter for longer, they can beat anybody. So I think that they're still strongly in their belief. They're not going to make the top four from here, which history sort of tells us means they're not going to win the flag. But as you guys said, if they get a full best 22 out there come finals, I don't think anybody will want to face them at all. That's for sure. No, and yeah, they're probably in the position where top fours all I see the question at this point, and yeah, I wouldn't want to be coming up against Geelong in a in a cutthroat elimination or a semi. They yeah, they're going to cause some headaches. If it's same as like if Richmond come in, Richmond are starting to hit straps as well. There's a few sides that are you know champing a bit to to sneak in there, and it's good to, for the competition. That's nice and close. And mind you, oh, quick question for you, Josh: is there mm-hmm. is there a chance they're going to get some a, a netting behind the goals um, in Geelong so the ball doesn't go into the stand? <laughs> no, they love it back there because it gets more overtime for the workers. That's what we're all about in Geelong. We're a good union city. Um, and we get a lot of airtime for that old fella with the beard who stands there behind the goals and goes and fetches <laughs> it every time they kick a goal down that end. Um, they always get some good airtime, those blokes down behind the northern end whenever they play a game down there. So it's an essential part these days. But you're right, I don't really understand. I think it must be a um, sort of rule that you can't have netting in place because otherwise it doesn't really make sense. Perhaps Must players be. get tangled up in it or something. I was going to say, because it's it's such a commonality or it's such a common thing in local footy. I just think, I don't know why it wouldn't be a thing when there's a stand up there. But 
Yeah, um, last year, yeah, Isaac Smith had to dive into the crowd and, and find a ball in about row 10, I think, because there were no workers around and <laughs> there was no fans in that section. So it becomes a bit of a hazard at that point. Well, it kind of leads to you know our next point, which is you know talking about the the rivalry that we've we've had in recent years, and I think you know with that stand still being made and um, coming up against you guys when Maxi kicked the goal after the siren, but in more recent times, you guys just you know in your real rich vein of form last year, making us look pretty ordinary to be fair, and you know we'll probably not play, we're definitely not playing our best footy at that stage, but yeah, we'll, quick chat about um, last time we met. I mean. 1219 to 9-9, you guys basically smashed us. So it was, yeah, we just couldn't get anything going down there at uh, Kadinia. Yeah, and it was a lot to do with that, that midfield that we're talking about before. Geelong's midfield really throttled you guys uh, when we played yeah. last time. I think they won clearances by 18, uh, and that led to them having, I think, 20 more inside 50s. And it's pretty rare for Melbourne to concede, I think, 31 scoring shots in a game, I think it was, that night. So it's extremely rare for your defence to, to cop that. And it really was a, a midfield domination which I remember leading into that game, there was a lot of, I guess, talk about how good Geelong is. There was sort of that, they were starting to pick up steam and Melbourne were probably still the benchmark and they really gritted their teeth that night and and sort of proved they were the best team in the comp that night. That's what they're missing at the moment. Um, and that's, I guess, the issue in Geelong's midfield is they can they can lose those moments and, and get smashed around clearances at times. Um, are you guys confident that given Viney was best man on the ground last week, he's in ripping form. Obviously, Petrarca's Petrarca. You got the two Ruckman in there, Geelong. It's hoping to have Reece Stanley back, but um, that's still up in the air at the moment. The, the midfield could really swing your way on Thursday night. I hope, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you go, Tim. Sorry, I, mate. I hope so because it's been a bit of a worrying trend for us. And Simo, you know what I'm talking, where I'm going with this and here that mm. having, yeah, have such, such dominant superstars in the middle, but it's not quite translated into success at, at the coalface. And as you mentioned, last year was was a really good showing of that where. Yeah, you guys absolutely killed us in clearances despite us winning ruck, you know, hit outs and it, we're not able to get any reward from some of those, yeah, really sort of top tier talent that we have in the middle and it's it's let us down in, in games gone past and I'm really hoping that it's not it's something that we can continue to build on because even this year we've seen lapses where it's it's happened to us again and we're not able to really get any purchase off Max's dominance in the middle or, you know, like it's been great to watch him and Grundy perform but then we're not winning any clearance out of it so even with Petrarca hopefully we're seeing Oliver this week which I think will be a big thing um, and then Viney's coming off his yeah one of his best games we've seen in the last couple of years you hope that there is yeah that intensity from Melbourne to really concentrate on winning the clearance because that's that's going to go a long way as you mentioned if we're not getting first purchase on the footy you guys you guys showed us that two weeks ago against the Dogs, I think you guys were down in about seven or eight key stats, yet you still won um, considerably by, what was it, 20-odd points against the Dogs, you know, despite losing possession marks. Um, you know, you're just being efficient with the ball, and you guys have done that for such a long time. I think Melbourne's just got to be really aware that, yeah, they've got to make sure that they take every opportunity they can, and that starts from the bounce in the middle. Yeah, it'll be a real, I guess, litmus test for those, those two bigs in there for you guys. As I said, Stanley hasn't played in more than two months. It looks like he'll be uh, back. He played three quarters of the VFL last week. Uh, but him and Blixas versus Grundy and Gorn, sort of in terms of pure rucks, there's no sort of match there at all. How have those two been going from your eyes? You've obviously watched them a little bit closer. There's some scepticism about Grundy coming in alongside Gorn this year. Has it worked so far? Well, it, it, for me, it's a bit of an interesting one because at times it does show that it's you know, it's amazing. 
Um, but then for us to still not be winning clearances, it shows, I mean, our best is still yet to be seen, really. I think at times we're going to showcase some really good stuff, but also at times other teams are just going to feed off those two boys. Um, we've had games where the boys dominate across the ground. Um, and the hard thing I find is when Max is in there, he's, he's not doing as much behind the footy is what he used to and more so in 2021. Um, so with him coming or Grundy coming in, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say, Tim, here, but it's kind of like a 50-50, to be fair. I think well, Grundy's kicking more goals than he ever has. Um, so he, when he gets, goes forward, he actually or gives us something at least. Um, Gorn's kicking goals as well. So you look at those two aspects, doing great but then you think why are we not getting so much ascendancy in the middle um and losing some games like the Freo game Jackson took it took a hold of us and yeah we couldn't in that third quarter we couldn't get any momentum back or anything like that but you know with Clary back in hopefully we've we've rectified a few things and you know obviously he's one of the best clearance players in the league so hopefully we can get back on top in that key stat yeah I mean I've, we've talked about this over the, over the course of the season, Josh, and I've really seen their performance really as a collective, and and sort of it's hard to measure them both individually, but really watching how, what they do uh, as a combination together around the ground, and as Sim mentioned before, like we are seeing Brody sort of being able to hit, move forward and, and hit the score wall, which has been I think a massive bonus. Max has been probably a little bit off the paces where he has been for the last few years. I think the injury obviously didn't help to his knee there. So I think we're still watching them kind of finding their feet a little bit, how they work together. But we've seen strong stints from both of them probably individually at times. I think Brody had some really strong games, probably when Max was actually sitting out and we actually got to see him be that number one ruck now. And and we know that Max is probably, like if you looked at the ratios about where they're actually sitting, you know, it's Max is almost probably leaning more towards playing forward. So I think they're still going to continue to find the right balance about how they're playing the ground. I think you're right, Sim. It's probably something we haven't thought about. Is We've seen probably a bit less of Maxi down back as well and ha- having to help out sort of down back um, with some of, those, some of those key pillars down there. So I think hopefully we can see them really use this advantage on Thursday night against a... I mean, against a team that hasn't had a strong ruckman for as long as I can remember. I was talking with a good mate of mine on the weekend about the <laughs> who's Sean Darcy. Uh, no, well that came up as well too. But I think uh, the last person we talked about was oh, was it Mark Blake, maybe um, or somebody. <laughs> Brad Ottens <laughs> or, was a bit better. Or than Brad Ottens, yeah. <laughs> so Mr. September. So yeah, look, we we're still watching them evolve, but. I liked what I've seen, and you can't imagine them that they, it wasn't going to happen straight away. And yeah, I think the club's going to be happy with them. I think internally they'd be happy with them, what they're saying. So, yeah, you, you mentioned before, I think it was you, Simmer, that there's been a little bit of a rivalry between the two teams. That you guys, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will have enjoyed the best moments have been the two finals wins Melbourne has had, uh, particularly 2021. But um, it was obviously that Max Gorn go after the siren. Do you? feel much of a rivalry at the moment from your end as, as Melbourne fans? Yeah, look, uh, whenever we come up against Geelong, it's just one of those ones where you want to get over the line um, and you cheer that little bit harder now. Um, <clears throat> a lot of respect for Geelong and what they've done and for them to be up for so long just shows how good a club you guys are. And I think 
we when we play you guys it's kind of like we're we've been a bit jealous of you in the past because of how strong you've been for so long and I suppose you keep thinking back to when you guys absolutely tore us to shreds down at Kidinia Park I think it's just that that just keeps sticking in us but then you know having even like the rise of Max Gorn which I've it's been everywhere uh, today, back in 2015, the rise of Gorney in Corey Enright's 300th, like things like that, for us as a club, getting that over the line, and yeah, for then from 2018 onwards, it's just been yeah, just argy bargy. It's it's been good footy. The two oldest clubs, you know, going at it. It's been it's been pretty awesome, and yeah, we've we've been fortunate enough to win more so when it counts, and um, I'm hoping that it doesn't get a backflip this year. That'd be nice. <laughs> Let's hope there is that backflip. Got to be good on our end. <laughs> oh, look, Josh, I'm going to be honest here. I've been pretty open on this podcast about my probably dis- disdain for um, for the Geelong Football Club, and it's probably been from what Sim said is about just how long you've been successful for. But uh, it's certainly been, I think, you can even say from a neutral supporter's point of view, They've delivered just really high-octane games the last few years. And, and as Simo mentioned, there's been some really high-stakes games. I mean, we go back to 2018. You know, that elimination final in Melbourne was probably one of, the, as a supporter My in person, game. was one of the best wins that I've been a part of. You know, Melbourne being in the finals for the first time in a long time and, and witnessing that. And then to not only that, but then only a few years later, have a really crucial game in round 23, but then also the preliminary final as well too. So there's no doubt that there's a rivalry between the two clubs. Uh, you know, you got the bit of key matchups there between Maisie and Hawkins, you know, Jack Viney, Selwood. There's there's been there's been great uh, great warriors over the journey, I think, between these two sides, especially in the last sort of five, ten years, and I think that'll continue to build and it I would say that, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of Melbourne fans that would, I'm sure would be feeling the same way as well too. Nervous because you can never count them out, but also, yeah, just knowing that it's going to be a great contest and, and really exciting footy. And, I mean, for us, hopefully the win. But, yeah, I, just, I think it's coming... You think about this year and last year, they're coming at really crucial parts of the season as well. It's almost a season-defining win. I'd say for you guys, really, who you've lost, you know, four out of your last five, but win one you're back into the eight and as you said if you start knocking off a few of those other sides on the on the way to september then you're right in the mix and yeah i think everybody would be in agreement that you don't want to face geelong heading into september doesn't matter what their form's looking like yeah one of the things that is working in our favor is it is at home obviously we beat you there last time it was a graveyard for so many years before that max gone go after the siren um <laughs> Obviously, we'll, we still cling on as Cats fans to the Zach Tui go off sign, which we think is a little bit better, but I'm sure you'll agree to disagree. But do you, do you still feel intimidated by playing down Geelong, or do you think that sort of faded after Gorn's goal? Because you really couldn't get near us for, for a very long time down there, like most sides, to be fair. I don't think we I don't think we fear going down there. It's been pretty cool to hear during a week that we actually changed the dynam- dimensions of Casey to, to match Geelong, yeah, okay. which was actually really cool to see. So... Hopefully that bolds well. I think, I mean, like, I mean, your career can get on top of a, a side pretty easily because it's usually only, well, probably what, 90, 90 10 in terms of the other team. <laughs> yeah. being down that's, there. that's being generous, I think, to the other team. It's usually 95, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, I, I saw Melbourne supporters were, were getting a bit sooky on uh, socials about how many seats were allocated to us or something. Um, so it'd be, no, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think we're, 
we've become a mature enough side not to get overawed by that. And I think the way we've travelled in the last few years shows that we can we can do it away from home. Not not so much this year. Not and this I, year. I, I was going to say we've won. <laughs> I think we've won one interstate game this, this year so far. So yeah, hopefully that trend. I mean, that's not interstate. It's but pretty it's, much. It's interstate. away from. It's away from the G. <laughs> so yeah, I. I wouldn't say intimidated, but I also know that I think the players know how how big it is, and our rivalry I think is there, and I think it'll be a, it should be probably a tight contest. I reckon. I reckon mutual supporters are going to get a pretty tasteful contest. Yeah, definitely. Key matchups Thursday night. I mean, I sort of already labelled May versus Hawkins. <laughs> The Jeremy Cameron one's big. I mean, last year we managed to hold both of you guys to, or both of the key pillars to one goal too, and I think that was all Hawkins. But you still were able to beat us with a really balanced attack. Simo, we're pretty sure that Adam Tomlinson's going to stay in the side, which would mean if if Petty's coming back, he's playing forward. But that would mean that Tomo is would be earmarked to to have the job on Jez, wouldn't you say? I hope not. not. Uh, I witnessed. <laughs> I witnessed firsthand what a running halfback can do on Jeremy Cameron. Miles uh, Bergman played on Jeremy Cameron last week and gave him a bath. So I'm thinking straight away Trent Rivers uh, can you know match in the air and also can dominate at ground level. So I'm hoping that Trent Rivers actually gets this nod and with Jake Lever to come over the top. Mm. What do you reckon, Josh? Yeah, it's not a bad shout. He has struggled, I think, a little bit more with those athletic sort of running players. He's not a huge sort of pack-marking overhead player, Jeremy Cameron. He takes a couple, but he's he's not going to bully people in the air like that. So it's not a bad shout. Um, it, you just wonder whether he will manage to stick with him all the way down and whether that happens, they can isolate him deep. This year, Geelong has definitely played Hawkins a lot deeper than usually. He still has got up the ground in past years, but he's been playing a pure real, as close to a full forward as, as he can these days. Um, and I know the Cats will do that to spread them out. So if you do that, does does Lever go onto a Rowan or does he try and hide on a Brad Close or something? Because you want him to be free. But Gary Rowan's probably John's most dangerous aerial threat, really, um, at times in that forward 50. Poses a really interesting one, to be fair. I mean, who, do, who does Tomlinson actually play on if he is selected there, which is... It poses an interesting one because you do have some whippets down there. You know, Stengels, who's... I feel like he's kind of getting back to a little bit of form. I, I haven't watched you guys too closely, but obviously, you know, he was near enough an All Australian player last year, and he's one that I, I mark as someone that could do some damage. He was he was All Australian. Sorry, <laughs> I, I knew it was. I think it was. I knew it was forty man. I didn't know he got the blazer, but I think um, I'm right. I know me. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. made the All Australian. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, so you think of him? Yeah, Rowan's an interesting one. I feel like. He, he's a player that's so inconsistent, it's not funny. You know, he's got the hot and cold streaks. Obviously, his first quarter against Port Adelaide was unreal. And you think, you know, why can't he deliver this more? It, do you know what? He, he probably causes the most headache for us working out who's going to go. Because Tomlinson's one that, mm, I don't know, it, it's a really hard one to see where he does go. But it's probably more team defense if we go with Tomlinson, though. Because you saw what Tomlinson did on Harry Mackay. Didn't really do that well, to be fair. But he he still enabled May and Lever to do it, do their thing. You look at the game um, against Collingwood. He well, more played more played a team defense, and you look he had ten marks. He he played a different style of role. I definitely think the May and Hawkins uh, matchup comes back. 
Another thing that I probably really want to talk about is the impact of uh, Blixarves, who plays as an on-baller against us and usually does go to a Clay Oliver and Petrarca around stoppage. And I tell you what, last last time we played you guys last year, I thought he was probably the one that really, really calmed our, or just really limited those boys in terms of the impact at clearance. Yeah, last year he definitely went to Petrarca and really, really limited him um, around those stoppages and allowed the other guys to get the ball. It is crucial getting those matchups right because Geelong is at their best when those small forwards are playing well, when they're in the game and getting a lot of touches and kicking some goals. That's when they're, they're really a good side. That's what happened in that first quarter against Port Adelaide. It wasn't Hawkins or Cameron who were doing the danger sort of stuff. It was Rowan close, kicked a goal, Stengel was involved. Brian Myers is having the best season of his career. If those guys are having good games, then Geelong is a completely different side because Hawkins is probably going to kick three no matter what. Um, Cameron sort of comes and goes, but if those sort of four small forwards are really playing well, then Geelong's almost unbeatable, really, if they, if they have a good performance over four quarters. So you want to make sure you get those right. You, you definitely have the personnel, but if suddenly, if Tomlinson's not right for Cameron and he's too tall to keep up with a, a closer or Myers, then you can get into some trouble. Yeah, it does cause a real interesting one because, uh, to be fair, I think Tomlinson against Rowan is probably the, the right way to go, but Rowan at ground level was way too quick for Tomlinson, in particularly off a turnover. Because I just don't think that transition game is his game, unless we're playing that real team attacking style. So it, it poses a real interesting one. I think it'd be interesting to know change-wise, because we do have you know Clayton Oliver, Petty, who have been out for a few weeks, and they are knocking on the door to come in potentially. Also, Bowie's probably another one too, Tim, that we... Mm. Yeah, haven't really touched on there who's coming or could be coming back from concussion. So there's three which we have to sort of think about, you know, who's going to actually go out for those boys um, and what's going to be the best balance for us to knock you guys off. Because personally, I think you've probably got the best forward line in the competition, I reckon. I think your defense was probably one of the better, at least probably top three last year, probably gone a little bit away from what they did last year and midfield is probably, yeah, your biggest area. And I think if you can at least even or halve the contest there, you guys will go a long way to, to knocking us off, I think. But yeah, if we can we can get it on top of you, because I think our forward line could do some damage as well. Um, but also our strongest area is our defense. So best offense against best defense is going to be bloody <laughs> awesome to watch. Yeah, it should be a cracker. Uh, last year, definitely Geelong came in with that game plan, which you see a little bit against Melbourne, where they try and get the ball forward as quick as possible for Lever and May can really set up. Um, whether they can do that again um, will be interesting because sometimes that can work against you. If you go too fast and turn it over, it's going to go back over your head pretty quickly. Yeah, and Melbourne, I mean, haven't always been... We've seen a couple of games this year where they haven't really been able to capitalise on those turnovers, even though that they can sometimes... You know, when that forward pressure is kind of elevated, they're... Yeah, we've seen the last couple of weeks that we've been able to butcher the ball a little bit going inside and then especially in front of sticks as well, not being able to take those chances. So I think from Melbourne, from a Melbourne's perspective, we need to make sure that they're taking every single chance. I think they'll be looking at the last couple of weeks in front of goal and thinking that, what was it, 8.13 and 8.18 or whatever it was in, in two weeks there and thinking that coming up against the reigning premiers and at their, at their home ground, you need to make sure that you're yeah, maximising every opportunity you can to, to get your nose in front. I think Tom Stewart's also a really important one that we need to sort of highlight as well too because, again, we know the way that he kind of has that quarterback, that general um, from really being able to navigate from fullback there. 
seem to see any of our players playing in a little bit of a defensive role in there, but we don't really have a defensive forward in the lineup at the moment, and I can't see him making any changes purely just for that particular matchup. Could you? Like, well, you well, can't rely on Bailey. I was going to say, straight away, you'd think of Jack Balsham, who's done similar yeah. duties in the past, but. Yeah, uh, it's probably a, a thing for our mids to connect with forwards just to try and eliminate his inf- impact, especially his third man up and his intercept game. Because yeah, if he gets on top of that area, he really you know he drives that back half into <clears throat> into scores a lot, and um, you know he's an all Australian for a reason. And yeah, if we can calm his his influence, I think we'll go a long way to winning the game as well. Yeah, a big part of his game is obviously the intercepting, but. He's really Geelong's biggest attacking weapon at a halfback as well. They don't have a, a lot of great kicks off halfback. They have a lot of guys who are good at their jobs, but aren't sort of the, apart from Mitch Duncan, the, you don't have a lot of players that you're worried about running off halfback as an opposition. But, so if you, you firstly got to stop him intercepting, and then secondly, you got to stop him getting handball receives because he's one of the best kicks in the comp when he winds up off halfback and you can hit somebody 55 minutes away uh, pretty quickly. And that's, that's the big difference, particularly at Geelong, if you get the ball out of your back half quickly, and get past the centre on such a narrow ground, then suddenly the goals aren't as far away as you think. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, team selection, Josh. Now, you've got a couple, as you said, you mentioned Stanley. Bruins looking to come back in. Can you earmark who's probably going to be on the outer on yep, selection well, not? Dangerfield will definitely be out. Uh, looks like he'll probably miss probably three or four weeks, I'd say. It's hard to tell with a collapsed lung and, and broken rib. Uh, Turner Bruin came off. He was subbed off with a shoulder injury. But he should be available. Seems like he'll be fit to play. Um, Stanley will, I assume, will come back in. So it seems like an obvious Stanley for Dangerfield swap. And Blixels takes a bit more midfield minutes. Um, Asalvarado Galea is sort of borderline at the moment. I'd be surprised if they played him, um, given he's sort of quickly coming back from a hamstring. I think he'll probably take one more week, but he's up for consideration. And the other one is Oshin Mullen, the um, the halfback from Ireland, who played a couple of games and went out last week. I, I don't see him sort of coming back into that mix just yet. Um, with Duncan, is that, is that the Irish? Spot. Is that the Irish Nick Dacos? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he is the Nick Dacos of Ireland. Well, I, I, he's won two Young Player of the Years, whereas Dacos only won once. So that means he's double the Dacos. He's, he's two times wow. better than him, <laughs> if you're going by that. <laughs> he he was very highly regarded, and he certainly has the physique to be a super player. He, he needs to work on his kicking, obviously, um, but um, he, he's the the most highly regarded sort of Irish player I can think of. So. He's certainly impressed. He only played three games before he made his debut, so there's certainly something they like about him. Um, I say, Chris, they wanted to—they wanted to almost play him after one game. Is that correct? Because he yeah. wanted to play three three games of AFL footy and then straight into the AFL side. Yeah, three games of AFL footy. He played one practice match as well, so he's played four games of footy in his life before he played an AFL game. Apparently, he was sort of on their board to to come in a little bit earlier than he did. Um, uh, he didn't look completely out of place either. He, he didn't look lost out there. Uh, I, I don't know how many more games he'll play this year, but um, he looks like he'll be a decent player in the future. Um, but yeah, to answer this, your question, I think it's really just Reece Stanley in for Dangerfield probably makes the most sense at this stage. I don't see them sort of pulling any more changes. Ollie Dempsey, a forward, had three, kicked three goals and had 25 touches in the reserves, but um, they're probably okay in their forward half at the moment. So I think they'll probably stick fat at least for one more week and, if things go wrong, they probably have to start making changes apart from that. And who's the more so from your point of view, you know, if you can come impact of, of our players, what do you think of the players that you you guys need to stop to go to win this game? 
Yeah, I think a guy that's given us trouble in the past, and we have issues matching up on players like that. He gives a lot of people trouble. Obviously, he's Bailey Fritch. He kicks a lot of goals. But Geelong generally puts Jake Collajasny on a player like that, sort of a medium tall to try and shut it down. So usually the matchup, but uh, multiple times he's sort of snuck away from Geelong's system. He likes to sneak at the back sometimes and get himself into space and on quick ball movement, um, they can catch Geelong. So I think obviously if you shut him down, it makes a huge difference. You guys know that. If you can take him out of a game, your forward line changes dramatically. Um, Cole Jason is usually pretty good as a lockdown role, but um, nobody can seem to stop him from kicking at least two or three at the moment. So if Geelong can take him off the board, then um, I think they'll have sort of that forward line mostly under wraps, I think, apart from him. Obviously, Jed Buse on, on Cosy Pickett as well is going to be the other issue. I think Buse has had a struggle of a year, um, but uh, this might be a good week for him to, to clamp down and do a good job. Yeah, and well, that's interesting because, yeah, Cosy's been a bit down, more so it's offensively. So mm. I think he's probably earmarking you know, a big game to really launch himself back into yeah, you know, his best touch as well. So, But obviously, we, we label his defensive efforts and we think... His defensive side of his game is still strong, but yeah, attacking side. Be nice to get a hold of Jetty Buys. What do you think of um, O'Connor? Would O'Connor run, do a run with Roll with anyone? Do you think he just purely plays a midfield, which or even a forward? He's kind of been a jack of all trades. Is he someone that's going to tag? Is he someone that's going to go win his own footy? What do you think? Yeah, he's been sort of around to plug a few gaps in that midfield with all the injuries in the last sort of couple of months. Um, he's the kind of player very similar to Blixas where. If you watch them around stoppages, you probably think they're tagging because they both like to sort of start on a body as really a starting point to, to try and get into the game and, and not be in the wrong position. And it looks like they're trying to clamp down. Often Blitzavs and, and he will be on the, the big stars. Sort of, they were both manning Bontempelli around stoppages a couple of weeks back. Um, but I don't think he'll play a real hard tag role. He hasn't really done a proper hard tag at all this year, even though he's played so many midfield minutes. So I think he'll probably run as a normal midfielder. Um, he seems to be sort of settling in a little bit there. Uh, he's, he's pretty good around the contest, but he's like a few of Geelong players, similar to Tanner Bruin. He sort of maxes out at 18 disposals really during a game. So he's not dominating games or, or really having huge impacts. He, he does a couple of nice things, but those are the players that um, once you get your danger fields and your Cam Guthrie's back, um, you can sort of look to, to those sort of stars and, and sort of push your O'Connor and Bruins to more of your role player sort of situations. Yeah, boys, are we, have we looked at, Weather-wise for Thursday night, I haven't. It's no, looking down here or down here. It says twelve and sixty percent chance. It'd be interesting to see what the Geelong forecast is. <laughs> I I can think of a game where I think it might have been twenty nineteen, Tim, and Melbourne had more inside fifties, and we got done by ten goals on the scoreboard in the wet. Yeah, I remember that. And that was when yeah we had the worst worst inside 50 conversion to goal rate, I reckon you'd see. I'm hoping that we play the conditions better than what we have this year. I think we've been very ordinary in the wet. I think Geelong are probably one of the better wet weather sides up there with probably Richmond and Collingwood, I'd say. So therefore, if it does get wet, it'd be interesting to see how we adjust to that. Um, mm. Geelong, probably it plays into their favour, to be fair, the wet weather style, just more so because... I mean, they've got some slow boys, but some quicker boys. But I just think just the midfield battle will just even up if that's the case. I think you might be onto something. I've just looked up weather zone and it looks like it's going to be one to five millimetres on Thursday. And the rain starts about six o'clock uh, and peaks about nine o'clock. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it's going to be wet uh, during the game. Um, it'll be interesting. There hasn't been a lot of wet weather footy played by Geelong this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust. 
um, on the weekend or last week against Port Adelaide, they really tried to move the ball fast, and that's that's going to be difficult um, if it is hosing down uh, down at Kidney Park. That's for sure. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, boys, we might finish up with quick one quick bold prediction for Thursday night. Josh, we'll start with you, mate. Bold prediction. Oh, I'm gonna say what's going to happen? Melbourne gets ninety percent of the hitouts, but Geelong wins the clearances. Cosy uh, kicks three plus goals. Cosy kicks three plus goals. I'm going to say Maisie keeps Hawkins goalless again this year. <laughs> well, not this That's year, no fun. but last year. <laughs> hey, it worked for you last time. You still got... Oh, no, sorry, not, not goalless. No, he kicked a goal. But um, I still can't believe, like, Cameron was playing... I just, just had a flashback that, like, Cameron was playing up the ground. Remember, he didn't even get near the Ford 50 last year. You, you, Chris Scott was in that fascination of playing him, trying to get him midfield minutes almost. Mm. And took him right out of his um, strength, but anyway. But no, that'll uh, it'll be a massive game. As I said, I think it's it's a huge game for both sides. I think for the D's, it's it's got to be backing up that massive win against the Pies, and and really probably showing out a little bit to the competition that we are still within the best because there's certainly been their doubters, um, haven't played anyone, you know, all that sort of rabble going on. And for you guys, Josh, it's it is it's it's huge with it's been a topsy-turvy first half of the season but we all know that come the business end you guys have been pretty good at putting together at the right time of the year so this really kind of sets up a huge run home for you guys and yeah playing at home is yeah is probably the right way to start it as well too so yeah it's got to be a massive night that's for sure it's genuine blockbuster area so hopefully the game can deliver awesome josh thanks so much for joining us mate it's been a pleasure chatting and uh, yeah, as Simo said, we good luck for Thursday, but not really. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Thank you.